Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond Trauma podcast. We are excited to join you here today. It's Bridger and I. Um, Melissa is actually in an intensive for her doctoral program. Yes. Which is very exciting. We're yes, very it is. happy for her right now. Um, she's just getting that started. So you may be hearing kind of as we go throughout the next several weeks and episodes, um, you've probably already noticed kind of sometimes where it's just two of us instead of three. Yeah. As things pick up with the more things that we're doing now, um, we're finding it harder and harder to all three be together at the same I know. time. It is sad. It's kind of a bummer, but mm-hmm. we're really excited when we do get to all three be together. Yes. And those times will happen. Yes. But. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to kind of talk about, which I, I know we've discussed before, is something that we focus in a lot here at Beyond Trauma, um, Beyond Healing Center, in our retreats that we do. And so these are healing retreats, therapy retreats, where anyone is invited to participate in a three to five day kind of therapy focused retreat experience. So we have you come here. We have a couple of different locations that we would put you up in. Um, Beautiful homes, one's out on a farm with horses and a beautiful oak grove. Uh, One is right here in town with us. And you could come to for three to five days to come in and focus on your healing experience. So we would partner you with one of the clinicians that are a part of our team that Bridger, Melissa, or I all supervise and offer like treatment planning support with. Mm-hmm. And you would be well taken care of in a nice space, good food, yoga, massage, maybe equine therapy, art therapy, a lot of different added services that could be put into your healing experience. Mm. So if this is something that you're interested in or the type of therapy that we offer, if it feels like it um, kind of reaches you personally and you're interested in exploring that more, we would love to hear from you. We have a great coordinator who would love to talk to you and kind of walk you through the process and explain to you what that would be like. Um, Brooklyn is just very, very helpful in that yes. way. So, and she's so passionate for the work, and it's really cool to get is. to see her work with people. She's just such a kind person, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you want to hear more information, send us an email at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com, and one of us or Brooklyn will get back to you on that and see if we can answer any questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we get started on the material today, we are going to try to kind of come to a place of wrapping up all of the things that we've been talking about mm. for the last several months related mm-hmm. to um, the brain, the nervous system, the the body, and how we are all shaped and developed as humans, and then how the experiences of trauma impact that. And as we're bringing those pieces together, we're going to start looking towards our kind of next several episodes of what is it like to interact and engage with people from a place of inform information and awareness on mm. the impacts that trauma and difficult life experiences have. Yeah, we have a, a I guess you could call it a model, but it, it really is just an application of um, some intentionality with the ways that we've been talking up to now um, that we... Uh, identified through the acronym of R-U-A-C, mm-hmm. which we'll build up to, but it's recognize, understand, attune, and co-regulate. 
And that, um, you know, just listening back to the podcast, you'll get a sense of where some of those words and the concepts that we integrate into those words, where they come from and why we value them so much in, in trauma treatment and even just in uh, relationships in general, yeah. how we connect as humans. Um, but before that, yeah, we're going to do some work to, to kind of bring synthesis to yeah. the whole thing. Well, and I think the, the really exciting part of the shift in the way we're talking here is a lot of what we've said before is in season one was about what is therapy like, and it's mm-hmm. all been focused around the work you would do in therapy. And we want to expand it outside of just that setting Yeah, that everything that we've talked about of the influences of, you know, life experiences on how we're shaped as a human mm that's with us all the time. That's not just there in the therapy room. Mm -hmm. And so when we start looking at what does healing look like and connection look like that can happen in a therapeutic relationship, but we also want to open up the possibility of what's it like to engage with your partner in this way, your friends in this way, your family this way with yourself in the way that you communicate with yourself and connect with yourself. So taking it and just kind of broadening it past the therapeutic room and opening that up to every relationship that we have. Mm. How do we go about engaging and interacting with someone from this stance? Yeah. And so for us, we've kind of put, you know, if that's the goal of where we're building to, well, we need to understand first the nervous system and the human brain and how that's developed and then the impact of trauma on that. Um, Because the reason we talk about trauma so much is not just because it's Um, you know, the only thing that matters in lived experience, but it has one of the most direct and uh, powerful influences on the way our uh, brain and body and our mind are developed over time. And so really identifying where those things were um, and kind of recontextualizing that experience and, and hopefully reprocessing that experience in therapy, that is what's going to build us into uh, more of that integrated mind that we're, we're so desirous of. So for us, if we're talking about trauma-informed care, there's you know all these prefaces that we have to make, um, which is, again, about the nervous system and the human brain and how trauma shapes that. So diving in to understanding the nervous system and the brain. Um, human beings are uh, mammals, first and foremost, and in that being biological organisms. And so that means that they are made up of a ton of different systems and organs and processes that are all working together uh, in service of some of the things that matter most to humans, which is uh, safety. And then as mammals, we've determined through our evolution that uh, connection mm-hmm. is a really great way to secure that safety. And so when we are in threat, um, and we've learned throughout our life that connections are actually helpful in that, uh, in that space, we'll lean on connections and, and therefore kind of displace the weight of the threat, making it much easier to, uh, survive or even just to handle, um, as an experience. But if the relationships throughout our life have showed us that connection is not safe Mm -hmm. when we're in threat, we'll actually turn inward and away from. And that is where we get this uh, kind of feeling of isolation and uh, torture in ourselves of not feeling safe enough to even reach out for connection when we're under the most threat. When I, as you were saying all of that, looking at the way that we are brought into the world, connection is not only um, just a desired thing, it's a required Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. As a, you know, a helpless infant, connection is an absolute requirement yeah. for survival. 
And then we look at the the absence of connection that is, you know, it, or when connection um, isn't present or is unsafe, maybe it is the threat itself, right? Like the relationship yeah. is actually exactly. what the threat is and how that just so, um, so dramatically impacts the way that our system is able to make sense of the world and mm-hmm. what it requires of us to do to adapt to those circumstances so that we can navigate them and try to still get our needs met. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's so much of conversation that we have just as therapists, but then also as trainers, where it's just like, yeah, that, that all makes sense. Sounds good. I'm on the same page. But right. for so many of my clients, that is kind of the first phase of therapy, mm-hmm. is really even just becoming aware of the fact that we have a body, that we have a nervous system, that we have uh, processes that are uh, vital to our survival and that are contingent on relationships. Yeah, that's the first uh, kind of phase of treatment um, because for so many of us, we, we live uh, in, a, in a place where it's just assumed that, you know, I just am as I am. I, I don't know necessarily how or what processes built me as I, as I developed, but, um, you know, this is what I'm going through now and I would like to feel differently. Yeah. Well, then in trauma treatment, the first kind of part of it is becoming aware of uh, at least for so many of my clients, so is just how our brain is shaped in relationship over time and what trauma does to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that we're starting with these, um, these concepts uh, before we talk about uh, RUAC is to kind of orient our understanding of what actually is creating the experience of pain yeah. and the experience of, of difficulty in relationship. And to come back to that expanding outside of the therapy room, um, how often do we just go about life in relationship wondering about the other person? I mean, mm-hmm. us as therapists do it all the time. All the time. <laughs> but um, before that or outside of that, of, of interacting with someone and really questioning rather than just moving into a place of like, oh, that guy's a real jerk, mm. right? Like, you know, the, the guy who gave me a coffee barely would speak to me and why was he so rude? But really just sitting in a place of staying curious about like, yeah, like something developed him in that moment and throughout his lifespan to show up in this space in this way. Mm. And it's somehow being like feeling as though it's a necessity for him in that, in that moment. Yeah. And I I like thinking about it as a necessity because it makes sense of all human behavior Mm -hmm. at that point of, it's not just because, um, well, I guess it's just, it's not that there's ever one simple reading of what happened or of what is happening. Um, it's not just because that guy that gave you a weird look while you were getting coffee uh, thought that you looked funny mm-hmm. or thought was judging you or something like that. It, it could be that, and that would be explained by a myriad of other experiences that he's had throughout his life and that you've had throughout yours to make you think that yes. uh, just a cross look from somebody means that they're judging you. But also it could be a, a million other things. Mm-hmm. And so to hold that posture of openness and curiosity to um, how a person is showing up and how you are showing up, how you are experiencing them, how they might be experiencing you, all of those things, um, so often we just uh, just pass right by. Yeah. Just don't even talk about it. And what if we took that into an intimate relationship? Yes. Right? A, a partnership comes into place in each person um, shows up differently about money, right? We use these like general terms of I'm a spender, I'm a saver, right? But maybe even looking and experiencing your partner from a place of what, what life experiences have shaped 
that trait and that quality in Mm -hmm. you and how do we explore and and experience that together we do this in trauma treatment in therapy but relationships interactions can be healing to Mm -hmm. our trauma if we sit in those from a very informed place that it is our life experiences that have built our brains and our nervous systems to process the information that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I love that. I mean, there are cases where, um, where healing is, is experienced without direct relational connection just because potentially maybe that person had resources that they could draw on from the past to make it still embodied and, uh, you know, kind of contextualized to their life. But so often, uh, you know, a majority of the time, especially in therapy, it is about the relationship. Mm -hmm. The relationship itself is looked to for the healing. It is the healing. And safety in that connection is what we're exploring and trying to build as therapy continues. So while the first part of therapy is about just kind of uh, helping us discover ourselves in a way of, you know, you have a body and a brain that was shaped through relationships. Did you know that? Um, and, uh, in that look at all these experiences that you had that made you feel like your needs were not okay. That your way of struggling was not okay. Mm -hmm. That the way you responded to something was not okay. And then to think that that message that I am not okay as I am or how I respond is incorporated back into the system to create new changes that are then, you know, those changes aren't just ideas. They're, they're messages that have, um, a physiological response to them. Mm-hmm. If I am bad and dad doesn't approve of me when I show feelings, that means when that's incorporated back into the system, that I'm going to now shut down my own internal experience and become more pleasing to him. So that means I don't show emotion. I just do what he says, or I'll take the other route and try to either move against him or move away from him and just withdraw. Yeah. But your body has a response to the experience that you had in the past and that that gets incorporated into your very development, like the way your cell, the, the way your cells are, are stacked together, mm-hmm. the way your genes are expressed, the way that your, the chemicals in your brain and in your body are, are actually fluctuating. All of that is in response to safety in connection. And is that real? Is it not? And just as a, a way of underlining that statement, that means it's it's not just about choosing. It's not just choice in that. Right. Are you? How are you um, consciously choosing to respond in that moment? Yeah. No, it is. It is embedded in your um, your makeup and your cells. Yes. Of really like this is um, the response pattern that my nervous system is shaped to take in this, mm. and it can be reshaped through new relational experiences that kind of send a different message to us in that. But it's so much um, bigger and more significant than did you make the right or the wrong choice in that moment. It's the system responding in a response pattern in which it learned at some point in time was the best response pattern for the sake of survival. Yes, something I say to uh, all of my clients is that no matter what it is, it always makes sense somehow. Always. It doesn't matter how maladaptive or even painful it feels to you. Somehow, the way your body is responding to your surroundings and to the experiences you're having, it makes sense. Yeah. And it was deemed as the best option at some point in time. Yes. Otherwise, you wouldn't have ever done it. Yes, and you wouldn't still be doing it. Yeah. Um, But sometimes those things get stuck in the on position or they just intrude on the present moment. Um, our, Our trauma responses from the past just wake up in the present. 
and we find ourselves responding to people uh, with energy that doesn't match Mm -hmm. the current experience that our feeling of pain or of being hurt by them doesn't really match what happened, but we can't explain why. So we just go with the feeling. Yeah. I'm mad at you, but I can't really know. I don't know why mm-hmm. or what you said really hurt me, but I, I, I don't really know why. Um, all of those things are the brain's natural way of trying to assimilate uh, and, and to try to make sense of the past and the present at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm comparing and contrasting back and forth all the time. But in the brain, when we, when we compare and contrast like that, it's not just an idea. It's the full, um, the, the whole package of the memory. It's the, the way you felt, the, the senses you were experiencing, the, the meaning you made of it, all of that gets played mm-hmm. in the present moment. Yeah. So I have a, a story or an mm. example that we can go with this. And um, yeah, you may have some of your own or could kind of add or contribute in this, but it's this is making me think back to an experience between my husband, Ryan, and I kind of mm. towards the beginning of our marriage, maybe like a year or two in. <clears throat> and um, it was right around Christmas or a little bit before I had decided I wanted to like get him a really big gift and it was mm. going to cost like $800. It was a... Um, it was a gun for target practice. And so it was a pretty big purchase for us early in our marriage. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, an $800 present, like saving up, trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to surprise him with this? Because the element of surprise felt very important mm. at like that phase in the relationship. Sure. For me, it felt really important that it was a surprise and this big gift. And um, in my process of trying to navigate, okay, how am I going to like spend $800 without him noticing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that it could be a surprise. Well, I didn't do it as sneaky or well as I thought I had. And somehow he had seen, um, yeah, some kind of transaction or something come through that looked suspicious of like, withdrawing money. money And in, because I had intentionally tried to be so sneaky, it looked even more suspicious. Well, coming from his family history, um, with his mom and dad, there were, Um, he had experienced as a kid some issues between the two of them of money and Mm. not everything being transparent and open and honest between them. And so when he had seen whatever, however that transaction played out that I had attempted to do it well and hadn't, he had experienced this big rush of anxiety, fear, threat um, early in our marriage of what is this? What does this mean? Is this a repeat of patterns that I watched my parents go through? And he started just getting like a lot of questioning, but he wouldn't come right out and just say, Hey, Jen, I noticed this happened. What's up? He went into this place of being very suspicious and trying to kind of figure it out and asking. And it ended up in a really big conflict with us because I'm like, you're ruining my surprise. (laughs) And he just had this huge wave of activation and fear in that. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of processed through that, exploring how each of us showed up in that moment, was completely shaped and oriented from those past experiences Mm -hmm. that for him, he had this rush of fear of like, I have to gain control in this moment over this experience because of what I'm afraid it could be like rather than, and that feeling like such a mismatch to me of like, Oh, this was just like a Christmas surprise. Yeah. But the flood of that activation from those past experiences coming into that moment and shaping Mm. the way he interpreted the experience the way he responded to it the way it felt in his body the emotions he had around mm. it were all charged from those earlier life experiences yeah in childhood yeah and i love that as an example 
it, it completely uh, represents how skewed reality feels to us yeah. um, because of our lived experience. You know, the the idea that Ryan was um, it just kind of building a case of like what's happening and, and how do I understand this? Well, I reach back for my lived experience of similar enough situations mm-hmm. and I start to then put together a case and that doesn't look good for what she's doing right now. Yeah. Um, this is going to lead to her hurting us and maybe even us feeling like we failed or, or we've been betrayed or Mm -hmm. it could go either way, but it's not going to be good. So you need to start gathering more information. And that's where that, like he started asking more questions, but not in a straightforward trusting way of just like, look, I know something I'm missing some information here and I'm just curious, like what's going on instead coming from a place of fear because the tr- the traumatic experience from the past is kind of haunting him it was is this going to happen again are you going to betray me mm-hmm. are you going to do what i thought you'd never do yeah mm-hmm. and even as if we talk about those then the impact of my responses of bringing up some of my past experiences mm-hmm. of dad being more I felt as though he was approaching me as this like suspicious father like questioning and like well what is this what about Mm -hmm. that and then having my own reaction to that of like a big response and so we'll we'll kind of talk about it more but moving into this place of co-dysregulation of us each activating those past experiences and becoming dysregulated together and recognizing now what both of us were missing is the R-U-A-C, the just mm-hmm. pausing and recognizing, wow, we're in this moment right now together, but so is our entire history mm-hmm. is showing up in this moment. This isn't just about this one transaction from the bank. Right. This is a whole history showing up for both of us and the way that we've been shaped um, to respond and to process and understand this information mm. goes much deeper than just this very moment. Yes. And that is true for all lived experience. Um, like I just imagine in, in hearing this, I'm wondering what the listener is thinking. Like if, um, are we only talking about big T traumas? Are we only talking about, um, you know, the, the terrible things that you think about with, with, um, when you hear that even word trauma, uh, but no, we're talking about all of lived experiences processed this way. Thing. Every single thing is filed away for later application because as a mammal, kind of going back to that first point of understanding that we have a nervous system and a brain, as a mammal, we have to, uh, we have this biological drive within us to be the most prepared that we can be in the present moment to handle uh, threat and find safety. Mm-hmm. We are a prey and a predator animal and so as with with that biology we have this simultaneous awareness of our power yet also our vulnerability and how weak we are are fragile and so in that our memory is working very hard to keep us prepared for what might be coming in, in the present so that we can respond to it and if we get start to get the the slightest indication that something overwhelming from the past might be coming up again Mm -hmm. we're going to start to employ you know, uh, energy in our body to start tracking that down, trying to figure out, is this actually real? Is mm-hmm. this going to happen the way that it happened to me in the past? Because we said back then it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Like that's happening below your conscious awareness, but your body was just like, I'm going to avoid this at all costs. Yeah. You know, the same way you touch a stove, 
the first time and your hand's going to jerk away and you're going to have a burn. But then after that, you're going to be hyper aware Mm -hmm. that that burn happened because you were too close to the stove. So you might just go bend your wrist in a weird way around a pot to make sure that it doesn't even touch the, doesn't even get close to the burner. Um, but that your body is doing that with emotions, with thoughts, with, uh, relationships, with other people. It's all kind of in service of finding that safety and how do I predict what will be the safest Mm -hmm. and how do I predict what will lead to a place that's not very safe. Yeah. Yes. The prediction, it's helping us to already, anticipate and predict what could come of the future so that we can employ the strategies earlier to prevent it rather than having to go through it and learn from it in hindsight. That's right. Yes. Yes. So what does this mean for trauma-informed care? Absolutely everything. (laughs) That's right. What does it not mean? That's, that's the better question. Even the, so even the, the title trauma-informed care, um, I guess this is just my soapbox for this episode because <laughs> I just want to keep coming back to it's it's more than just what we think about of you know the caring for someone else in a trauma informed way one it's more than just trauma yeah it's just being um in, uh, maybe nervous system informed or right. uh, human informed <laughs> <Yeah>. care <laughs> just <laughs> I mean yeah honestly so much more than just being trauma informed but just being informed on how are humans created how is personality and self developed yeah and when we are approaching that from an informed place we're going to have so much more clarity mm-hmm. in what is showing up or at least more curiosity mm-hmm. in what's showing up to gain clarity and then again, coming back to that place of it doesn't just have to be in a space where we are receiving professional care for someone or offering it to someone, Mm -hmm. but it can just be in relationship, just Mm -hmm. human informed relationships, interactions, um, connections. It's not just about the exchange of professional care, but we want to learn how to, to utilize everything we've talked about this and saying, how can this inform the way we show up in relationship with people to really enhance the way that those relationships build? Yeah. And that uh, I think about it as like taking, you know, kind of getting out of this autopilot mode mm-hmm. of, you know, I know I know enough about how to interact with somebody that I'm not really even going to think about it, about what they're saying, about what they're feeling, about what they're doing. Uh, I'm just going to respond uh, that in a way that kind of keeps me going down the track that I need to go for the day. So that person looked at me weird at the coffee shop. I'm going to react. I'm going to react and I'm not going to think twice about it. And then I'll go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. But when you start to view it from this kind of human informed, (laughs) I like that a lot. The, the human informed perspective, every, even the subtlest of behaviors or ways a person is moving their body or even talking or looking all of that is a little window into mm-hmm. how they were built over time. And then even in that, you are shown a window of yourself of how you're interpreting those little subtleties. Yeah. Why did it matter to you that that person looked at you the way that they did at the coffee shop? Mm-hmm. You don't know what they could have been thinking about. It could have been anything. They didn't even say anything to you. They could have been in a different place in their mind and were just reacting to that. And you saw their face and they looked at you and, that was it yeah but because of something in you it became about you Mm -hmm. and that right there little breadcrumb it's a story of you why did it affect you the way that it did and that's kind of the first part of this entire thing is just starting to notice when your body 
tells you that you're experiencing something. When you experience a, a feeling shift um, or even a thought shift all of a sudden or a mood or, or your energy gets lower, whenever your body shows you that it's experiencing something, pay attention. I love that. Notice when your body tells you. Yes. It doesn't start with the thoughts or no. thinking of what our body is doing. It's our body will let us know because it will have a response far before we'll be able to really have a cognitive awareness and yes. understanding of it. This is one of my favorite things to kind of share with clients because they don't believe it until we start exploring stories. Uh-huh. But you don't have a thought until your body has already responded multiple times. That comment right there. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what? No way. No way. I can think. I think first Mm -hmm. and then I act. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because it's just like so culturally, I think, just common to be telling that. Think before you act. (laughs) Like it's a teaching tool, Uh but it's a biological impossibility. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you you know, you can keep yourself from carrying out a deliberate action, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean your body's not acting or responding to things. Yeah. And for me in, in work with clients, you know, just pointing to the way the brain processes uh, experience or stimuli. The base of the brain, which is in charge of all of your motor function and activity, processes it at 50 milliseconds, which is way faster than you could ever even perceive as a human mm-hmm. being. But the thinking parts of the brain, they're operating in response to stimuli at five to 600 milliseconds. <laughs> So that means the base of the brain is responding 10 times before the top of the brain even gets worn yeah. out. Yeah. And that's just biology. Like you just have to... Can't argue that. Like you can run all the tests you want. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's what's going to happen over and over and over again. So in that we can either choose to, you know, just have denial and say, nope, I still think I'm a thinking being. And so I think first yeah. and then I'll act. Yeah. Or we can start to lean into the story that our body is clearly living inside of and say, what action am I employing in this moment and why? Mm -hmm. Because we learn to act based on our past experiences. That's what conditioned responses are all about. That's what, you know, you think of Pavlov's dogs of, you know, I ring a bell, I give them a treat soon. If I just ring the bell, they'll salivate like they were going to receive the treat, but not have any treats available. That's showing that the body is used to, making meaning of rhythm, of pattern, of strategy that seems similar enough. The body is making meaning of all of that in service of that prediction making mechanism mm-hmm. in the brain. Yeah. And that that idea of like think before you act or think and then act, um, you kind of started to speak to it like deliberate choice can come out of, you know, repeated thoughts or, you know, decisions. But the signals that the body will experience, the experience of the body will happen multiple times that it's usually when we deny, reject, or don't attune to that, that Mm -hmm. that is when we're overpowered and taking a bigger action that comes out of that thought that then maybe we choose to like hit the kid next to us. But the body has already taken several action of an increased heart rate, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling agitated, anxiety through increased, um, yeah, just anxiety in the body. Yeah, your heart rate, your blood. And then all, all of a sudden we take the action that we're thinking of as action because it's more outward. It's external. Yes. Yeah. But all of that is happening multiple times before that bigger action yeah. gets and taken. And all of that is happening, you know, the the action of striking out, you know, lashing out against someone. That 
external behavior is the end result of a series of sub like of um internal actions in the mm-hmm. body just as what you were saying um but the but the lashing out is not the first thing that mm-hmm. happened that was kind of anticipated or or you know kind of preceded by so many little functions we had to become aware that there was a point of our frustration (laughs) that itself has a ton of different processes in the brain that are saying yeah you should lash out at them because it's their fault they're the one that needs to receive this acknowledgement like hey you did something to me and i didn't like it Mm -hmm. so there's that process that happens then there's this and all this in just like a flash of a second the snap of a finger there's the awareness that there's the target for the frustration. Here's how we could deal with that frustration. Here's how we could take that out. We've determined that fight is going to be the mode that we use. Mm-hmm. So let's engage the heart and the lungs, quicken the breath, increase the heart rate, get some activation because we're getting ready to point energy at something. Okay, now strike. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Yeah. But all of those decisions were made based on your body, not your conscious mind, your body's awareness of what strategies we've used in the past what we've seen other people use, how we need to prepare our bodies through our heart rate and our uh, breath and and a myriad of other different processes to carry out the action that we're going to use. Yeah. That is where think before you act. That's impossible. So when we can really get, come to a place of acceptance of that is all happening within the body, then we're able to listen to, as you were saying before, listen for when your body tells you. Yes. That something's going on. Yeah. We Pay become attention. more attuned and connected with my body is actually going to let me know things. Oh, it's going to send me messages and give me um, information that I need to have in mm. order to navigate the situation. So tune into it, listen to it. It's so wise. Yes, it's so wise. And I love working with um, kids in this way of even if I can just start to get them aware of that their body's communicating like an anxious tummy. Like my stomach hurts. Okay, well, let's explore that because your body's telling you something. And it's so scary to not know what it's trying to tell you, but it is trying to tell you something. You have, you know, your body has kind of put all of those feelings in your mind, in your belly, and has made you feel that I don't feel good, therefore I can't go mm-hmm. or I can't do something. Well, what is that about? What do you not want to do right now? What do you not feel prepared for? What do you have no context for that you desperately uh, want to find or, or, or feel that you're going to be alone? Yeah. What are you afraid might happen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the, the, the child only becomes aware of, I don't know, just my body. I just feel like I can't. And so helping them to see that, and this is true for all people, not just kids, um, but helping them to see that their body knows first mm-hmm. what their thoughts might later know. But sometimes don't yeah. sometimes we just continue to react without awareness and that's the story of, of humanity yes for adults that could look like chronic headaches insomnia mm. stomach aches yeah tension like oh my gosh i just my shoulders are always so dense mm. um it could just be restlessness or yeah anxiety shortness of breath it could be any of those things but yeah. just listen to the body notice yeah. the body we've talked about this before on this podcast about um just how the body kind of manifests chronic activation or inflammation 
And that's another excellent example. Why is fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome or, um, you know, uh, different forms of digestive or, or GI issues? Why is that the manifestation of trauma? Well, the body's trying to communicate. And because those messages have not been received or responded to or changes been made, it's going to continue to send that activation, but the body's not built for that. Mm -hmm. So it's going to start breaking down, which then sends more threat into the body. So the body's always active, always responding to things and the mind may not be conscious of it, but that doesn't mean the activation isn't there. Right. Yeah. So this, um, human informed trauma informed care, however, we're going to talk about it we move into and kind of setting up the rest of this series, the rest of the episodes that are to come are to go in depth on the four steps of the best way to approach this is to first start with recognizing, understanding, attuning, and then co-regulating. Yes. And those being the best way we could kind of condense a very personal um, experience with another person into four <laughs> steps that could be remembered. Right. Um, but each one has so much to it. And so we want to give like a full episode into exploring each one individually. Yeah. But being able to kind of just start with that as the outline for this human informed interactions being recognized, understand, attune, and co-regulate. Yeah. And I think we can talk a little bit just briefly about what that outline is. Um, just conceptually, and then we'll dive in for each of those those episodes. Um, with the recognize, understand, attune, and co-regulate, the reason that is in that order is that if all goes well, that will lead to a greater ability for humans in relationship to handle really complex things or really overwhelming situations, or even just to make sense of how their body and how their mind um, was shaped over time and how it's responding to the present moment. So with recognize, that's kind of what Jen and I were talking about of the become aware, start to pay attention to what the body is saying. Um, it's always active. It's always sending messages. So learning to tune in, which is a process. It absolutely is. It's a, it's something we have to learn how to do. Um, because especially in the Western culture, we de-emphasize the messages of the body. In mm-hmm. fact, even kind of turn away from it intentionally. And we stop paying attention to what messages our body is sending and we just demand more from it. We say, you know, I don't care what it's saying. I just need more out of it. Yeah. So learning to recognize, that's that first one. Recognizing um, is, is making meaning of that message from the body and learning why it's there. And the why it's there is part of that, the understanding. So recognize, understand. The understanding is reflecting then on how that activation is uh, communicating something, why it is, because what we'll find when we start to recognize and then learn to understand the activation in our body, we look back in time to say, how does this make sense Mm -hmm. given what I've experienced? How does this activation uh, actually communicate the fear that I felt or the, the, any emotion that I felt in the past and it's being employed right now? Why is that? Mm -hmm. The understanding leads to curiosity and trying to discover why am I using this strategy right now? Why am I depressed right now? Why am I anxious right now? Why am I feeling like I don't want to go meet anybody right now? It it requires a posture of curiosity for the self or for other people. If we have to be willing to move away from 
like these labels and categories and objectification of certain presentation of people. Mm-hmm. Um, of oh well, they're just they're just depressed. They just need medication. Right. Or they're just anxious, just, right? But instead, being very authentically curious as mm. to um, the why, yeah, why and where did this come from, and how was that essential or necessary at some point in time? Because how did it, it was, make sense? Yes. yes. And so there's this process that we'll get into in talking about all of these that we're doing this for ourselves and when we're interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to learn how to do this on your own. And that's why we always emphasize the relationship and we point people to therapy. But ultimately, this is the goal that we would be able to recognize, understand, and then move into attunement. But these processes of uh, recognizing and understanding, it's so hard to do that by yourself. Yeah. It's so hard to even learn to recognize, you know, it's the old adage of, um, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't, and it's really hard to see what you know. You can't see your own your own blind spots. Mm-hmm. That's like why they're blind spots is because you can't see them. And so having somebody, even if it's just a trusted friend or a close relationship, a safe relationship, of being able to say, you know, this is a process that I'm. This is something I'm working on right now, and I would love to have help in this. Yeah. Any way that we can do that, therapy hopefully is the safe place that we can go to do that. Um, very intentionally. Um, But this, as we said in the beginning of the podcast, is something that we encourage people to employ in their regular life uh, just forever. It's human informed. You know, why is, why is this feeling coming up in me or, or why is that feeling coming up in them and being expressed the way that it is? That's part of that recognizing understanding. Yeah. So then we move into attunement. So as we are looking into, we have to have the ability to recognize it and stay curious about it, trying to understand it more. Then we have access to the tools that we need to attune, to feel a sense of um, connection and and, um, really focusing in on how is that showing up? What does that look like? And how do we offer a sense of connection in that not and safety not a judgment around it not a dismissal of it how do mm. we you know get rid of it or defend against it but how can we move into a place of really offering safety and connection in that space yeah um, and and really those that understanding and attuning can be very hand in hand can mm. be very similar and showing up in just simply being able to stay curious with someone mm-hmm. says I'm not taking a posture of judgment or you know accusations around that I'm just sitting with you in a very safe way of staying curious that is a, an experience of feeling attuned to mm-hmm. feeling someone seeing me oops, and getting to know a piece of me but not hurt me with that yeah and I think that's the to me that is how you know the attunement is there is when you can help somebody or yourself feel felt like oh man this person isn't just trying to change me or dismiss me or uh it, it, they're they're actually wanting to see me mm-hmm. they're wanting to understand me um or even treating yourself that way of i'm not just trying to shame myself but i'm actually trying to understand myself and when we can posture ourselves and our tone of voice and our inner body language and even the, the words that we're using to communicate to the other or to ourselves that that's our intention. Man, I don't, I, I want to know more about what you're experiencing right now. Can you help me understand? Can you help me uh, by maybe putting some words to your feelings or, or if that feels like too much, even just telling me uh, through your you know, body language or whatever that that's too much because I want to do something with you now that helps us both understand mm-hmm. what's going on. 
I don't want you to feel alone in this. Yeah, to be, to actually be seen by somebody. Yeah. Not just our strategies and all that to be seen, but to, as a human, to really be seen by another person and Mm. for that to not lead to a lack of safety or threat, for it to stay in the holding space of being safe and being seen. Yeah, and this is not a, none of these are a sure thing. Like just because you say you want to recognize, understand, attune, and co-regulate doesn't mean that it's safe right now or that it will be safe in the future. It's so important to remember that we're all individuals and have so much experience that makes us feel either safe or unsafe in a situation and that that's really what we're battling. Because for some people, you know, especially I think about this for um, uh, somebody who, I get this a lot in couples therapy where the, the, patient or the client that is coming to see me from the couple is starting to become aware of these things in themselves and is kind of having trouble applying it to their relationship Mm -hmm. because they'll they'll say you know i'm doing the things that they that we do in here and i'm trying to invite my partner into more uh, of this way of thinking but they don't want to why what am i doing am i doing this wrong well maybe the relationship has kind of collected experiences that has made even an invitation to this feel not safe and that's so important to remember because we can become so discouraged or even activated and angry that somebody isn't uh sharing their feelings with us (laughs) (laughs) and that comes across very kind of like wonky because it's you know i'm mad at you for not sharing how you're feeling and so i'm gonna yell that doesn't make me want to share more you should tell me that's right (laughs) exactly why are you afraid of me (laughs) i don't know maybe because you're critical and yeah (laughs) Yes, but that's even in our best of intentions, that can be how it comes across because we get so frustrated at uh, someone's lack of willingness to feel safe with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that in and of itself is communication. They're feeling very afraid. They're feeling like the invitation can't be trusted. And that may not be about you. Yeah. Maybe that's about their past and maybe it's about their past experiences with you. Right. But it may not be because of you now. And so just encouraging that patience to always be there, to, to remember to, you know, it's okay for there to be rupture and we can continue to come back and people can say no to that invitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we have to stay curious with how we try to position ourselves in time in that relationship to make that invitation the most approachable. Yeah. And each of those pieces and the way that we show up in those ways will offer an opportunity for co-regulation yeah just kind of the fourth point in that of being this two nervous systems coming into a dance with one another this Mm. feedback back and forth of the experience and for it to be able to bring a sense of regulation to Mm. be in that interaction with one another in that to dance together yeah brings the safety and regulation to each nervous system yeah and we in our trauma-informed care training we we have images that represent this and you know as one system who has practiced this or has been shown this process of ruac for themselves um, as they encounter a system that has not and that is very unstable and afraid and rigid um, very kind of filled with fear through that dance of RUAC back and forth there becomes more integration Mm -hmm. to where now we're in a co-regulate place that what was once dysregulated can become regulated together and that is just a beautiful art to watch and I actually do have a personal story of where 
you know, it, it doesn't always look clean <laughs> like this. Um, but through continued invitation, it can be possible. Very recently, um, Olivia and I, Olivia's my partner, um, but uh, Olivia had come home from a day, she's an art teacher and had come home from a day at work and I had just gotten home as well and our normal pattern is we kind of uh, cook dinner together and uh, kind of talk about each other's day. And we were both kind of in a very, we're both planners as people. And so sometimes we have things to share at the end of the day that it comes out very like, and this and this, and what did you think about this? And mm -hmm. how is this? And so it can kind of be a little activating at first because it's like this flood of stuff. I haven't been able to talk to you all day. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like, things. oh, geez, like let's titrate this out a little bit. No, you need to know right now. <laughs> um, and we're both kind of a little bit more high energy people when we're with each other. And so it kind of comes out like that, but there had been this project that, um, Olivia was working on at school and wanted to, um, build something for her students and had gone through this process of trying to get the material. And then the material ended up not being the right material. And so that was very frustrating. And the way that I was expressing my frustration over the process activated her mm -hmm. because I was like, man, I just hate that you just want to do this for your kids and it's not working and this this material won't work like we can't build the thing we were going to build mm -hmm. and i was being very just like kind of closed-minded because my idea the the things that we had designed to build couldn't be built with this material yeah. and so i was having a hard time seeing a creative way around it because the material itself wouldn't work and Olivia, because of this, you know, she has taken this training, mm. but she was just like, I'm going to share some things that I think, um, I'm feeling, but I don't think it's about you, but I need to tell you how, what you just said affected me, yeah. which is a beautiful application mm -hmm. of this, recognizing and understanding for myself and wanting help in that understanding yes. of, I just wish that you would stick with me in trying to create this thing with the material we have because we went through this long process of trying to get the material in the first place. And even though it's wrong, we have it. Mm -hmm. So I just wish that you would help me stay creative and actually do this thing. And the way you're kind of coming at it as a closed mind, that hurts me and makes me feel like you're not joining me in this. Mm. And that, uh, tripped me up even farther because there was this, I wanted to make sure that she felt okay to kind of share what she was sharing. And I tried to hold it in for me, but for me, the recognizing and understanding of what was now coming up was about um, me feeling like I can't do a good job mm. with building this project. Yeah. Like we designed this thing to be good and to use the least amount of material possible. It was going to be very efficient. It was going to be strong. It was going to be, you know, it was these wooden cubbies. Mm -hmm. And so it was going to be strong and efficient and, and be... Uh, durable. They were going to last a long time. And we had built a model one and she was really happy with that. So I was like, cool, she's going to have a classroom full yeah. of these. I was very excited. And so when it didn't happen, uh, part of me was hurt. So I was like, dang, it's like, what? she's going to have to settle now for these things that don't even work. One well, for you to have, not to be able to do a good job on something you want by something that was out of your control. Yes. Oh, oh man. man. The most Something frustrating. limiting you. Yes. From being able to do the work that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And just in my lived experience, that is very activating yeah. because it gets in my way yeah. <laughs> and it makes me have to have to do something that I don't even want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what was coming up. And so through that process of when I said that, you know, she was activated into a place of feeling like, um, 
you know, it, it, it was a project that wasn't going to get done at all. And it was something that we weren't going to be together on. Mm. And so once those fears were actually named, which were there all along, right? once those were named and once we both were able to say, here's what I'm recognizing and understanding about myself and helping each other to see that as well, we were able to move into that attunement and co-regulation place of saying, no matter what, I'm with you. Yeah. I just want these things to be exactly what you need. Yeah. That's all I care about. You know, and in that story, it's not about the conversation going perfectly the first time that like from the moment it starts, we are doing RUAC all along. Right. It's that the, when, when the body lets us know, Hey, I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling like I just got a rush of frustration or anxiety or I'm feeling tension or actually I want to withdraw. Yes. Or I feel like I want to go in the other room all of a sudden. Yes. Um, all of that was true. <laughs> yes. Staying in that and saying, what is the body trying to tell me? What message is it sending me? And in recognizing that and attuning with myself, mm-hmm. then can I offer that? And she gave a beautiful preface to this is what I'm experiencing and I want to share this with you and lays that out there. Then we can come into that as we do that dance back yes. and forth. And that dance may take five minutes or 50 or, minutes. Yeah, or two hours right. like it took that night. <laughs> two hours. Yeah. It may not be this short little dance, but yeah. the back and forth and the gradual moving into a place of co-regulation that probably, I'm going to guess, reached a deeper level of connection so and much understanding. Deeper. Yes. And it, it allowed us to then be more curious and creative about the project and actually figure out a way to get the material returned uh, through the school, yeah. which is a miracle in and of itself. No kidding. And for the, the right material to be ordered and delivered. Mm-hmm. And without it, we would have just been activated and not changed a single thing and put something together that just added more frustration and right. ended in a different place. But th- what I love about RUAC is that it actually works, <laughs> number one. But for so many people, I feel like in therapy, it's just like, well, okay, what am I actually supposed to do outside of this room? Because it works well in here because of some like magic you're doing. And I don't, you're trained. I could never do what you're doing right now. And, you know, get, getting all of those messages in therapy. But when you can actually just look at the human through this lens Mm -hmm. and start to say, this all makes sense. It's really cloudy sometimes and it's hard to see, but it does make sense. So how do we how do we learn to partner with our biology and lived experience and actually understand the messages our body is sending mm-hmm. and use that to connect more meaningfully and deeply with our partners or those that are in our lives? That is how real application of therapy happens. Mm-hmm. We're actually we're actually applying it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's a great story to I'm comparing that in in my experience with Ryan when we were first married. So this is like 10 years ago that that was happening and how differently Mm -hmm. that has the opportunity to play out with this awareness and this language and um, an ability to speak to that. Mm -hmm. And just by being in friendships, relationships, work relationships, any type. To have the language and understanding. Yes. It's invaluable. powerful. Yeah. Basically, if you're in a relationship, you should take the trauma-informed care training. Yeah. If you're um, a human. If, yeah. You if you have a nervous it. system, you should take it. You should learn about it. And if you're in a new relationship, you definitely should take it because mm-hmm. you need that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> new or an, a long-lasting relationship. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> take it together. Yes. Um, or have you know a therapist who is informed by this <laughs> um, yeah. helping you yes. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
That should actually we talk does. about the Patreon? We should, and you already talked about retreats, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay. So Patreon <laughs> is our um, online community where we can actually uh, kind of interact with you guys as listeners and that you guys can actually become directly involved in supporting uh, the production and creation of this podcast and all of the other fun things that we're doing here at Beyond Healing. Um, Patreon, Our Patreon has different tiers that you can get involved in. Um, where you kind of specify the donation amount that you're that you're able to give, and that gets you access to a different uh, kind of selection of resources that uh, can help you in this journey of mental health for yourself. Um, and so we would love for you to to become a, a patron for um, the Beyond Trauma podcast and um, just become a part of our community. Get involved with what we're doing, and um, you know we have different things available to you guys at different levels, and and that would just be a really awesome way for us to connect with you, and for you to connect with us, and uh, kind of engage in that online community. And so that is at Patreon.com/slash Beyond Trauma Podcast. And if you go to that link, you'll you'll be guided through those donation tiers, and we'd love to to see you become a patron. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us today, and we'll talk again soon. Safe journeys, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.